On today's show, I'm joined by new co-host Sebastian Hyde to talk about the Metropolitan Division's standout uh, draft halls. We'll just talk about the entire division together, who picked who, and uh, the standouts from that class, all coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday, during the uh, uh, during the scouting year. In the summer, it'll be three days a week. I'm joined by Sebastian High uh, from Dauber Prospects. Uh, we work together all year in order to bring you the best prospect content in the region. Sebastian, we are here to talk about the Metropolitan Division. Uh, now we are going to start with probably the best haul of the entire NHL. But well, before the, we get the, into that, the two best hauls. I don't. I'm not going to pick sides <laughs> on this just yet, for sure. But before we get into that, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's get right into it with Carolina's draft haul. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. All right, so we start with Bradley Nadeau. <laughs> At 30th overall, and I, I'll, I'll just empathize that we're starting with Bradley Nadeau because it only goes up from there. Uh, Bradley Nadeau is arguably a top five shooter in this draft, right? I think I think his shot, especially in terms of like raw power, yeah. and considering that he's 160 pounds, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty impressive. It's it's like Jagger Focus level like shooting ability, and mm-hmm. he pairs that like with with impressive playmaking he's he's really intelligent he's very manipulative he is a strong handler and a decent skater but i think both the handling and the skating a few little fine-tuning aspects could really improve it a ton the upside with nadeau is spectacular and i have an inkling that uh his his uh freshman season in the ncaa is going to really rise his stock and he was one of my he was my biggest late riser on my draft board uh Throughout the season, I was skeptical, and I think like maybe a month ago, I sat down and spent an entire day just delving into Nado because I figured this is a player I should adore, and I was curious as to why I hadn't like had that impression just yet. I was yet. curious to that as well. I, yeah, I, was just, and I was very confused as to why he wasn't and like in your top fifteen. I I think it was a sample issue. I think yeah. I I'd only logged like like two and a half or three viewings beforehand, and they were okay. Uh, and then I spent an entire day going through like seven games of his, and I was like, he's a top 20 prospect for me, and he <laughs> ended up at 19. So he he rocked up my board, and yeah. I, I made sure it wasn't just reactionary. Like, I, I watched seven games uh, mm-hmm. in a day, and it, it completely changed my outlook on him, and the upside is tremendous. Uh, yeah. So when the when the Hurricanes picked him in the first round, I was uh, unsurprised. Of course they did. And, of course, uh, they did. Of course, they, of course. <laughs> who else? Speaking of which, their next two picks are two favorites of mine. FUS, FUS, Felix Ingersorum, one of the best playmakers in this draft, on top of being a high-end defensive contributor. I really like the profile. Exactly. I really like the profile that he brings to Carolina. But for me, the the main pick that really just stands out to me is just a, of course they did. Of course they did. It's Jaden at 94th. I I had him ranked uh, 12th. I believe 12th overall. 
yeah, so we're, we're kind of in the same range in the same boat regarding what we think of Jaden Prawn. 94th overall is absolutely ridiculous in terms of the value you're getting. I don't know if he maybe bombed some interviews, if he wasn't doing too well off the ice, I mean, things the, we don't The production about, but... wasn't great. That, that's my sense. My, my sense it was was that it was okay production while playing sig- quite, at least to start the year, he played a lot with Celebrini, mm-hmm. and, I, and he's undersized. But oh, the brain... Uh, so I don't. Smart. I don't know if any player has better off puck offensive zone movement in this draft yeah. class. I think others are at his level, like Bedard. Obviously, I think Mishkov's up there, Benson as well. But mm-hmm. ooh, he is he is so intelligent and and the hands on top of that, he's got some the hands are hands great. Draft. Yeah. Look, he needs to add pace to his game. Obviously, he needs to bulk up. That's okay. And he's not a surefire thing. I can understand why some teams were hesitant to pick him in the first round. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you're getting him at 94th overall, you can't complain. But exactly. I want to I want to want to go back one step, Felix Ungersorum, because we were I think the only public outlet to like be relatively high on him in terms of like a top 40 talent. Yeah. And I think we had him ranked at about 37 uh, at the end of the year and. To see him picked inside the top 64 brought me a lot of joy. Uh, I was also chatting with the other public scouts I was sitting with at the draft, and they were all still quite skeptical of how he translates. But, I mean, I think we are two of the more bullish public scouts on on FUS, and (laughs) it is thoroughly unsurprising to me that he ended up in Carolina, of all places. Of course. And I feel like that that alone should quell the doubts of public scouts. You know, if Carolina picks him up, if he's good enough for Carolina, he's up there. Good enough for me. Yeah, Alexander Rykov is another decent pick at, at 100th overall, 100 flat. And that's... I mean, the VHL production for him was really impressive. He's defensively responsible, uh, projects as, as a right wing, not as a center. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's really intelligent. He's a good passer. He's a bit simple in how he plays. Like It's, it's simple and effective is kind of his style. Yeah. And look, if you get a bottom six winger with the 100th overall pick, you are doing amazing. So, yeah. Uh, Yet another pick that uh, I, I I liked a lot, and Stanislav Yarovoy is, is a guy that I, I only loved like one viewing of, and I kind of liked him. Uh, but I heard a lot of NHL scouts really, really, really high on him. So really, uh, to get him at one twenty six, from what I was, the sense I got was that a lot of teams had him inside their top like sixty to seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to get him at one twenty six is good value from from their yeah, perspective, yeah. but. I haven't watched enough to really speak to it, but yep. one player I'm sure we both have watched a lot of. Are you talking about Timor? Both... Oh, you know we are. <laughs> and, <laughs> Let's go. I mean, this is a player that going into the draft, I was already 90% sure would end up putting up on a Hurricane sweater. Uh, yeah. I think he is the most Hurricanes draft pick of all time, and uh, he was, and uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, Mukhanov yep. is a good playmaker in the offensive zone, one of the best motors in the draft class producing really well in, in surprisingly large minutes in the VHL. He's playing more minutes in the VHL than the MHL, which is uh, rare. And uh, yeah, he needs to bulk up a bit, but he he's supposed to be playing the KHL next season. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how he does then. And while I did cool on him a little bit as the year went on, and I don't quite see the same top six upside I saw flashes of earlier on the season, he's a really, really fun draft pick in this oh, yeah. 100 range. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one thing to have your pedal to the metal like he does constantly throughout the game, but to have the defensive acumen that he has on top of that, to have the intelligence to know when to take a step back, when to 
kind of shepherd players into opposing players into specific lanes to, to put opposing players into trouble just through his positioning. I'm just really astounded that he was available at 163rd overall. After that, maybe Mikey Emerson was a decent pick. I liked what I saw from him with the steel to steel. I've watched a lot of this year, and Emerson, I'd say, was a guy that I, I would have taken a swing on in this range. Nothing special, pretty well-rounded in terms of his profile. Um, but, but he's yeah, Jade Perron's teammate, so hey. Exactly. So we might all, as well I, I always like when, when they pick teammates. Like It's always nice when, when an 18-year-old has some familiarity, especially going into the development camp, and they have a friend yep. to go along with. Uh, so I, I like it from that perspective, on a, on a, from like a, a human perspective there. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, the Columbus draft class definitely rivals Carolina's. I mean, obviously they had more draft capital than, than Carolina did. But, I mean, landing Adam Fantilli at third overall is uh, not bad business. Speaking of teammates, Gavin Brindley at 34th overall. Also just not bad business. He's, like, a be- he's a better rush defender than a lot of the defenders that, was pe- that were picked in, in the first and second rounds. He's better just- than Dragosevich? Uh, really? Oh, wow! Are we yeah. really talking about Dragon Savage's rush defending? Let's uh, let's go back to Columbus instead of that. Poor, uh, poor kid. But, I love him, but man, he's the worst rush defender in the world. The uh, rush defending <laughs> painful, but it's I mean, look, Fantilli probably shouldn't have been available at third overall. He probably yeah. would have gone first overall in what the last four draft classes. Uh, so landing him at third overall is exceptional. He is a perfect mm-hmm. fit in Columbus. They needed a center like. Fantilli, and now they have him. So yep. amazing work. Uh, Gavin Brindley, to me, was a top 15 talent. Uh, he was. I, I adore the motor. It's even better than Mukhanov's, and uh, he adds a ton of playmaking skill to that. And yep. the pace, the intensity, the defensive acumen as well, mm-hmm. he's really well-rounded. And kind of like Jaden Perron, this is one of those, those players that the public had a lot higher than NHL scouts. But yep. landing him in the second round is exceptional value. And uh, look, William Whitelaw at 66 is also a very, very good big swing on on skill. And he is all skill. He's a yep. ton of risk, but all skill. And if they can try to rein him in a little bit, get him to use his line mates more often, be a little bit less selfish on the ice, mm-hmm. I think this could age really nicely. And look. They also drafted his teammate. Speaking of Andrew teammates, Sashman, again, yeah. Andrew Strothman, who, look, he plays like Kale McCarr, but he's not Kale McCarr, which scares me. But you're picking yep. him at 98th overall. So, hey, it's a big swing on skill. And he's ultra mobile. And yep. he's constantly trying to create offense to a fault. Like, he takes a lot of risks that he should not be taking. Mm-hmm. But there's a really nice foundation of skill there. And... When he goes to the NCAA, he's going to need to adapt. He's going to need to add some some more defensive engagement and be a bit more calculated with when he takes his risks and when he activates and perhaps in which situations where perhaps a teammate can take his spot on the blue line, which he doesn't mm-hmm. often scan for as of yet. But he's very raw, just like Whitelaw. But yep. the upside Absolutely. is is also relatively high. And I think there's a chance you get a second-pairing offensive defenseman with Strothman. I I, I would have paid, perhaps taken a swing on a guy like Aaron Manishin ahead of him, but at, at the same time, this is this is totally his range. And uh, we'll finish off the, the the top five picks for Columbus here with uh, one of my personal favorites, Luca Pinelli. I, yeah. I got to watch him 40-plus times live in the last two years, and while he did fall down my final board because I, I, I had a lot more questions in terms of NHL projection, um, 
he is so much fun. He's he's a really smart player. He processes the, the game incredibly quickly. He's super intense. He's very effective defensively. He mm-hmm. he has a really nice one-timer, and the playmaking in his D minus one was awesome. And then he was kind of shoehorned into a finishing role in Ottawa last season, yeah. which really limited his effectiveness. It was one of one of the more frustrating experiences for me scouting this season was going to every single 67s game and watching them play him on the wing in a finishing role when mm-hmm. he is perfectly made for a, a a role down the middle as a center and where he could actually use his line mates, where he's not just a trigger man on a power play. And yep. I think there's a lot of potential there. At the same time, you can't discount the role that an entire like, the entire draft year season in this mm-hmm. limited role has on a player's development. But hey, the Blue Jackets were drafting exceptionally well, and they picked Pinelli at 114. So I assume they're going to push for him to also have a perhaps more diverse role in Ottawa yep. next season. And mm-hmm. if he does, especially with Vincent Rohr going uh, pro and uh, going over to Switzerland, there's an open slot down the middle. And while it might be gifted to Brad Gardner, uh, I would definitely be banging the table for Pinelli to have that role. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just a quick uh, shout out to Tyler Peddle being picked with the last pick of the draft. As and, and I love traded Peddle for it, and they and they and they traded yep. for that that selection. And mm-hmm. being at the draft, I, I like I, I completely like like saw everything happen. The Peddle family was not too far from the media section, and they were looking pretty de- dejected by the end of the, of the draft because, of course, they were. They just spent what like six hours there and. We're also caught in the thunderstorms like we couldn't leave the arena either it was mm-hmm. not a fun situation for them yeah until that pick happened and they continued the trend it was really every single player picked out of the cum jhl had by far the loudest family like celebration like yep. every single time ethan goatsey had like 25 family members at the upper level of the arena and it sounded like they were like 200 and uh, they, <laughs> they most certainly were not. Uh, but yeah. the QMJHL families were very vocal and uh, it was a nice pick for sure. 100%. So uh, now we'll talk about uh, some of the uh, other teams in the uh, Metropolitan Division and how they picked right after these messages. But first, let's talk about our sponsors at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first betting amount back in free bets up to $200. That's $200 in free bonus bets that you can use on anything, ranging from money line to over and under, or even who you think is going to swing the very first home run in the game. All on an app that's safe, secure, easy to use, but most of all, you get your winnings instantly. There's no better place uh, to bet MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today at fanduel.com slash locked on to get two up to $200 in free bonus bets. That is fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel, the official partner of major league baseball. All right. So moving on to uh, the three teams from the tri-state area, we've got New Jersey uh, and the two New York teams. So let's start with Jersey here. The first pick was in the second round in the late second round at 58th overall. They went with Lenny Heminaho, uh, Probably one of the worst skaters in the draft, but other than that, really intelligent, really defensively responsible, great very good shot. habits as well, and he's got a great shot as well. Uh, and his production a- in Liga was excellent. At yep. the same time, I know that the two of us were were among 
the 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 bigger skeptics in the in the Dauber circle uh, with Haminaho. Mm -hmm. uh, I what I see in him is a future elite Liga scorer. I I yeah. don't see an NHLer personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, however, if you can try to leverage that intelligence and the, sh and the goal scoring ability and really try to improve his off puck offensive movement, because he has the processing speed to, 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 to find that at a high NHL pace, it's more just yeah. the vision of, of actually finding those little pockets of space that I think he needs to work on a little bit more, but yeah. Hey, the goal scoring upside is definitely there. And I mean, he produced exceptionally well in, in Liga this year. Absolutely. Uh, Camp Squires is a guy I scouted a lot this year. I kind of had him in the 6th to 7th round range. Nothing special in terms of his production. Uh, nothing special in terms of his abilities either. But really a well-rounded profile. A guy who can do a bit of everything. Uh, but one pick I really liked was Cole Brown at 164th overall out of the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs. Decent value there. I believe he's an overager. Don't yes. quote me on that. He yeah. is, yeah. Um, and yeah, Brown is just the type of guy who just really pushes the pace. He loves to push the pace. He's got a lot of intensity to him. So I like the profile, a decent swing in the later rounds. Other than that, not much to talk about for the, for the Jersey Devils. That's usually what happens when you trade your first and third round picks. Uh, moving on to the Islanders. Now, the Islanders had, they're another of these teams that love to trade their first round picks. Lou Lamorello is, uh, allergic to first rounders, it seems, um, and especially with a prospect pull that's looking more and more like a puddle, uh, they should probably keep a hold of those. But yeah, Danny Nelson at 49th. What do you think of that? Very Islanders pick. Yep. Like, very Islanders pick. Danny Nelson, to me, is is a high likelihood 4C, and I don't know how much there is beyond that. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, it's it's always easier to try, to try to leverage some more upside once a player is already in the NHL. Yep. Uh, at at the same time, look, look, he was he was a good three C in the NTDP, but I'm not convinced that the skating is 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 and the intelligence and the processing speed and the playmaking. There's a lot of question marks there where I think the tools are a bit subpar. But the physicality is very good. I think he has a good shot. The hands flash sometimes, but he needs space to use them well. Uh, not a player I'd be picking in the second round. But again, he's a very Islanders pick, and that will improve his development curve with that with, with that organization. So Absolutely. it could have been worse for sure. Yeah. Uh, care to guess when the last time the Isles picked in the first round? It's 2019. That's the last time they picked in the first it's round. It's been four years. Yeah, it's been four years. It's pretty and they're rough. Not, they're not the best team either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, but moving on, I really like the Justin Gill pick at 145. I, I knew was you would. really excited to see him get picked in an NHL draft at some point. He deserved it. He earned it. Absolutely. Twice overager, great playmaking, a decent shot on him, but really the intensity is what stands out the most. Um, him and Joshua Roy and Ethan Gauthier formed one of the best lines in the QMJHL. Yeah. So it was really, really fun to see them go about it. So great pick in this range. Reminds me a bit of their uh, their other pick. Um, gosh, he, his name's escaping me. Uh, but yes, he was in picked in, no, he, he was picked. Uh, William Zifu. He was picked. Ah, uh, Zifu. Round. Yeah. Fifth round in 2020, yeah. great, kind of comparable for him uh, in terms of, you know, picking a guy who he's, you know, he's not the biggest, not the strongest, but really just wins a lot of battles just by sheer will. So I like this pick. Yes, and Normie was decent as well, 113th. You know, he's the type of guy who I probably would have picked in the top 100, but I do have my reservations about um, the, the intelligence, the awareness, all that stuff. Um, really fluid, really solid on his skates, but... You got some questions there. And I think my favorite pick of the seventh round. Dennis uh, Goodbog. 
the good bog himself got name. picked. It's the best name. You, you don't <laughs> understand how excited I was to hear Dennis Goodbog on the arena announcement, like like yep. for the draft thing. Like massive smile on my face. Mm-hmm. I've watched him a little bit. Not a player I would have selected, but we you have to appreciate the elite hockey names, and uh, that yep. is really up there. Hundred percent. Now, finally, for the segment, we'll move on to the New York Rangers. Now, the New York Rangers went out with a big swing in the first round with Gabriel Perot. Which I was not 23rd. expecting from that organization. I was not at all. He's not their typical pick no. either. Like, not at all. But Gabe Perot is arguably one of the smartest and best Top three smartest. Board. Yeah. Top three smartest easily. in the class. Like, it, it, and, I think in terms of, of, of IQ, it is him, Benson, Bedard in the top tier. And then you have Mitchkov just slightly below. And then Smith. Yeah and a couple other names down there. But yeah. with Perot, you're drafting him for the brain and the skill. Uh, yeah. His intelligence, his awareness, uh, his uh, handling ability, and his playmaking are all slam dunk elite tools. Yeah. The question is, can he tie Outside all those that. together in a toolkit yeah. that is comprehensive for the NHL? Mm-hmm. And as the season went on, I became I warmed up to the, the likelihood of that happening. And... Mm-hmm. Look, in the end, I had him ranked, I think, 21st overall, which was quite a big jump from where I had him for most of the season. But yeah. again, I love to swing on 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 tools and on intelligence. And in the end, I think just from like a philosophical point of view in terms of the scouting, I, ha- I had to do it. Uh, yeah. But he scares he, he He gives me the he, the, the heebie-jeebies. Like I, yeah. ooh, the, the, the combination of absolute lack of physicality, defensive engagement, and poor skating ability yeah. is a rough one for the NHL. That's, that's the tough thing for him is how does he compensate for that? Now, he's smart enough to move off the puck well. Can he apply that to the defensive zone? Can he apply that to rush defending, getting back early? Can he, uh, can he consistently, like, not just find, but stay in pockets of space offensively? That is my yeah. biggest question because... Mm-hmm. He scores all of his goals by being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, 100%. And he can do that against junior competition because he's not being physically overwhelmed around the slot. 100%. In the pro game, however, that is going to be different. At the same time, he is by far, like, like the situation with him of, of staying with his line with Smith and Leonard, I think that will benefit uh, Perot the most from the three. I think yeah. staying in that situation while transitioning to the NCAA will really facilitate facilitate his translation to a, like a big jump in competition. And I'm really curious to see how he does because he could be a player that in a redraft goes top eight. He could also be yeah. a player that in a redraft goes outside the top hundred. Like I'm saying redraft in like five to 10 years time, obviously, yeah, but no, like, like not, not, not in one year, but he's, he's a massive risk and he's not one I was expecting the Rangers to make. So I, all, I like yeah. that pick a lot because Look, when teams diverge from their typical drafting philosophies and take risks, always makes me happy. 100%. Now, a quick, quick word on Drew Fortescue being, I believe, the first NTDP defenseman off the board. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I think Cleveland went over him. Oh, was he? Yeah, I think Cleveland went, went like three picks ahead. Almost. Oh, shoot. Very close. Very, very close. Yeah. But Fortescue, um, what's your thoughts on him? I think he's perfectly acceptable in this range. Like, yeah. Again, not 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 the guy I'd be swinging on. There were players with high upside that were left on the board. I mean, mm-hmm. Jaden Perron went four picks later, so I, 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 I can't compare those two players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the same time, you can do a lot worse than Fortescue in this range. We saw a lot of picks that I thought were bigger reaches than this, and he also fits that New York Rangers defensive style. So absolutely, I don't mind it. Uh, the pick I 
I found funny and liked a lot was Dylan Rubrook. I, mm-hmm. I watched quite a bit of him, uh, like when, cause he, he played with, uh, with Callum Ritchie and he's, he's fun. He's, he's massive. He's six foot seven. He looks like, like he's this year's Kirill Dolzhenkov. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. I find this funny. This is a great, like, this is a great entertaining selection. And if he makes the NHL, I'm going to have a blast watching him there because, uh, He's kind of wonky, but he's a good puck protector purely because he has the reach of a 747, uh, and it's great. I love this. Is, it's fun in, in the in the later rounds. You can do you can do a lot worse than swing on a guy with decently good hands and uh, again six foot seven. It's fun. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Now we'll move on to our last segment involving the Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Washington Capitals. Right after these messages. All right, so let's close things off with the, uh, for me, the the best pick of the uh, top 10 here, starting with Philly. Uh, Matt Ben Mishka was draft. Seven. I don't Probably. care. To, it's between him and Benson at 13, but I think, yeah, think Mishkov is It's close. But yeah, Mishkov at seven for me is highway robbery. I cannot understand how a, a potential Hall of Famer was available at seven overall. And I've spoken at length about Mishkov at the start of the year, about how much I like him, how much I think he's got potential. There's, for me, there's a lot of elements in this game that are borderline elite. Nothing that's properly 100% elite, except for the sixth sense for danger that he has in the offensive zone. It's just insane how good he is at flaring danger. Um, but the shot's up there for sure. Now he's, for, for me, he's up there with Bedard in terms of goal-scoring potential, isn't he? Pure goal-scoring, yeah. I also think the playmaking has is going to be a lot better than people expect. Uh, you have to realize, he's playing with, with HK Sochi this season, and... Yep. Um, that team was consisted of Matt Bay Mitchkov, and mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah, uh, he he was he was by far their, their best player. He was their only creative outlet. Uh, he, did, he was doing everything, and his playmaking game grew a ton this season. It just didn't really get the results in terms of of points because he didn't really have the line mates to finish his chances. So my bet is next season in the KHL he's going to be over a point a game, and he's going to have more assists than people expect. But mm-hmm. Uh, the skill, the intelligence. Uh, he he is he's one of those those rare slam dunk triple threat offensive talents. Yeah, in my mind, elite goal scorer, like from shooting ability, but also finding space to to, to use it and changing mm-hmm. angles on his on, on his release to get around defensive structures and get away from sticks. Mm-hmm. Amazing. He's an elite playmaker in my view. He's top five in the class in playmaking in my in my opinion. I think he's excellent in that in that facet, and the handling skill is almost as good. Uh, you 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 cannot do better at seventh overall. Like I, hundred percent. In yeah, incredible selection. Uh, I love it. Oliver Bonga twenty two. I'm a bit more hesitant on. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> but it's a great name. And yeah. and look, Oliver Bonk. I think, in, in my opinion, is going to be a shutdown defensive guy in the NHL. Probably bottom pairing, but could be a number four if he really works on his toolkit, if he really improves his skating specifically. Yeah. Uh, the offensive creativity isn't really there. Most of his production came off as shots from the point. Uh, mm-hmm. However, look, a lot of public scouts that have watched him a whole lot more than I have like him a ton. And uh, I respect all of their work a lot. So I'm keeping an open mind with Oliver Bonk, but he's not a player I personally would have picked in the first round. 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. And the two goalies after that, Carson Bjarnason and Igor Zavragin, I've gotten a lot more bullish on Zavragin as the year went on, especially in the late months. April, I like that May, pick June. more than than than, than Bjarnason at fifty. Yeah. Absolutely, Bjarnason at fifty-one is way too high for me. Uh, but then after that is probably one of my favorite uh, players in the entire Barky. draft. Denver Barkey. Um, they called him him and him and Easton Cowan were called the twins. Uh, over in London, and of course. for good reason, they play very similar profiles and uh, games. Just Barky's one of the most intense. He's more skilled. Most, he's a bit more skilled for me, uh, but I especially love the back-checking energy, not just the energy, but the intelligence with which he gets back and lifts opponents' sticks and gets under their sticks and just makes breaking out the puck absolute hell for the opposition. I think this is fantastic value at 95. And then my personal favorite uh, overager from this draft, Cole oh, great. 103rd yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, look, I, I would have picked him last year. I, I loved him last year, yeah. and his progression in the offseason was spectacular. He, he came a long, long way and is a way more intriguing prospect this time around. And he was already mm -hmm. pretty damn good last year. So that yep. was an awesome pick. And even better somehow was their pick at 120, landing Alex yeah. Siernik, who, in my opinion, is one of the more underappreciated skilled players in this draft class. Um, arguably a, first round value arguably he's, he's a, first round value he's an exceptional skater he reminds mm -hmm. his stride reminds me a lot of Jesse Alonen's he needs to add some lower body strength to really up that that explosiveness but like the knee bend the ankle flexion it's mechanically flawless. beautiful yeah. he's a great skater he's very perimeter based but he's also an amazing playmaker and he was doing that in a pro league in hockey Svenskin, which is not a league where you usually see draft eligibles really excel. And his mm -hmm. playmaking data in that in that league was leaps and bounds ahead of Dalibor Dvorsky's, uh, who obviously is a goal scorer, but went 10th overall. And uh, Alex Siernik did not. And his handling ability is great. Uh, you're really working with those three things. It's the skating, yeah. the handling, the playmaking. The, the shot is bad. Like it, The mm -hmm. shot needs a lot of work. He's not all a dual threat yet. And the defensive game is... Uh, really hit or miss sometimes it can be mediocre and most of the time it's painful mm -hmm. at the same time you are taking a swing on a potential second line winger at 120th overall and yeah. uh i would have picked him top 100 easy i had him ranked i think 30th overall on my board yeah. uh so landing him this late to me is exceptional value as well absolutely now we'll have to go real quick for pittsburgh and washington is running a bit out of time but we'll get this done for you so first and foremost Pittsburgh's first round pick at 14th overall, Braden Yeager. This is high for me. Uh, I love I love the scoring. I love the playmaking ability, uh, which has improved in leaps and bounds as the year went out went on. But I still have a lot of questions about projectability, about hockey sense, and especially about defensive and physical impact with Yeager. It's going to be an uphill battle to get him to become a top six player, but he's got the toolkit um, in terms of a skill set with the puck in order to have that impact. It's just a matter of bringing his game up there. Um, outside of that, Emil Yarventi is a funny one at 217th overall. He was one guy that our um, our uh, head scout before he left uh, had. E2 was not a fan. Oh my but god, he had him lightly. as a do not draft from. He had him as a do not draft as of September. It was yeah. it was immediate. <laughs> yeah. um, I watched him. I, I mean, I wouldn't have drafted him, but he yeah. would not have been a DND on my list either. Absolutely. Uh, the pick I liked for the Penguins was. Was, was Cooper Foster, who I've also mm -hmm. watched a ton of in Ottawa here. And he, he's very fun. Uh, he has a good motor. He's a decent playmaker in tight, one-touch playmaking ability. Uh, 
more like like perhaps not like the best cross crease passer he's not the most creative necessarily but he blends his intensity with passing ability and and just quick plays he's he's a, he's a high pace guy yeah. uh i think you could like in the late hundreds uh totally totally fair value with cooper foster 100 percent. and then moving on to washington ryan leonard at eight is good value for me he's he's Amazing. this is his yeah. range without awesome. no problem i don't uh, rank eighth overall this is perfect this is great yeah absolutely yeah. if we can move on from that andrew crystal awesome. at 40th overall just insane value for me crystal Look, at- he's super risky there's a very he good is. chance he never touches the NHL, but but he could be a first liner. If he, he if not, he yeah. if he pans out, he could be an elite playmaker. Uh, he's one of the fastest processors in the entire draft class. He's yeah. the skating really needs work because he has no separation gear, which is not it's what you can really bad. live with with his yeah. style of play, which is uh, all offense and. He relies on creating off the rush, which mm-hmm. he won't be able to do as currently constructed in the NHL. However, he's really shifty. He's escapable. And look, yeah, give him power skater for the next three seasons, and we'll see how that goes. And yeah. the defensive engagement needs work, but Kelowna was not a good team this year. He and really Crystal wasn't. and Caden Price are both super, super raw players that should not have been tasked with leading that team because yeah. – they need support because they're super skilled, but again, they they're not necessarily the most mature players in this draft class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but landing Crystal at 40th overall is incredible value. Like, look, even if he doesn't make it, you took a swing on a guy that could have been an elite player for years to come, and you could do Absolutely. a whole lot worse at 40. For sure. And uh, just a quick word on Cam Allen at 136. I think this I is a major so overcorrection. Far. Yeah, no, it's a major I overcorrection. I love really his skill set. He gave me headaches this year, for sure. I mean, there were times this year where he genuinely was hard to watch, but he's got skills. He's really good with the puck, physical, defensively, yeah, but still, you know, it's just... He, he's intense defensively. He has some grit. Yeah. He has some snarl. He, he plays with some violence at times. Yeah. And at Dauber, I mean, I started out as the OHL scout, uh, like, in September. And he was a guy that I kind of planted my flag in as, like, I was the guy that was really low on Cam Allen. Because at the time, Cam Allen was viewed as a top 10 prospect. And I was like, yep. I think he should go in the second round. That never changed for me. I just I stuck yeah. at that. Like, <laughs> I saw him playing decision-making issues for sure. That's why he fell. But, look, he's also Team Canada's captain at the U18s. He... Uh, has he's really mobile he's fun in transition as a carrier there's, there's some potential there yeah there's a chance he becomes a versatile number four defenseman but what he isn't is the offensive driver that Guelph expected him to be and yeah. that's why he fell because in the role that he was playing he was it was very very clear that he should not be the offensive defenseman from the blue line because mm-hmm. in the offensive zone he was shooting by default the shooting habits were awful yeah. but i think look Shooting habits are pretty correctable, especially for a defenseman. And to land him at 136 overall is absurd. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, but, hey, here we are. And I think Washington got a pretty fun prospect as a result. Absolutely. So that wraps things up for our breakdown of the uh, Metropolitan Division. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment saying what you think. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, please remember to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out the Locked On NHL Mock Draft Special. All 32, um, well, 
all of the scout, all of the uh, ch- channel uh, hosts that were drafting in the first round came together and put through put together a mock draft. Myself and Gil Martin from Locked On Islanders came together on the Locked On NHL Network and uh, reacted to each pick. So make sure to check that out. So my name is Hattie Kalakesh. Uh, joined with me is Sebastian High, our co-host, and we wish to see you next time. Make sure to tune in.